Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.56 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 7th of April. Yeah, 2021. This is episode 396 of Bitcoin and I woke up to liquidated longs again. I may have to move <clears throat> the time of this show to a different time so that I'm not like staring at a bunch of lick longs right as I start recording because no matter what I believe, looking at BitMEX wrecked liquidated longs is like just not, it doesn't make my day. <laughs> But <clears throat> we got a lot of shit to get through, guys. So we're just going to start this crap right off. BitMEX's Arthur Hayes surrenders to authorities. I am the law. <laughs> Casey's writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. The former chief executive officer of BitMEX cryptocurrency exchange, Arthur Hayes, has turned himself in. According to a Bloomberg report, although Hayes currently resides in Singapore, he appeared in a Honolulu courtroom on charges related to alleged violations of New York customer laws in the United States. That's because every United States citizen has been financially weaponized against the rest of the world. And if you don't understand that, you don't know what happened to us in 1913. He was released, however, on a $10 million bond pending forthcoming court proceedings in New York. After failing to implement anti-money laundering procedures that are required by businesses operating within the North American jurisdiction, the executives responsible for the exchange were indicted on charges of violating the United States Bank Secrecy Act. <clears throat> In March of this year, BitMEX co-founder Ben Dello surrendered to authorities and was arraigned in New York. It is unknown if this spurred any motivation within Hayes to surrender himself, but it is apparent that the cryptocurrency executives have leverage of some kind given their ability to evade being charged until now. Bloomberg reports that Hayes's lawyer stated, quote, Arthur Hayes is a self-made entrepreneur who's been wrongly accused of crimes that he did not commit. And Mr. Hayes voluntarily appeared in court and looks forward to fighting these unwarranted charges. That's suit speak, pal. The self-sovereignty of, individual, self of individuals has only increased since the inception of Bitcoin and will continue to increase. The ability to remain a productive citizen while fighting charges as immense as those brought against Hayes indicate clear advancement in the capacity of the common people to defend themselves against the state. That's the end of the article, man, but <clears throat> dude, that last statement, I cannot emphasize how important that is enough, right? The common people to defend themselves against the state is on the rise, and there's not a freaking thing anybody can do about it, and that's good. And however we come into this crap, we're <clears throat> I wanted to get the Arthur Hayes stuff out before we launch into this section about the CCI the crypto council was announced yesterday after I did the show. So I couldn't report on it then, but I can sure as shit report on it now. 
BTC Times, we're going to start it off here with uh, Fab is writing this one. <clears throat> Fidelity, Square, Coinbase, and Paradigm launch Crypto Council. And they are joining forces in a new lobby group. A lobby group, guys. Seeking to help shape Bitcoin regulation, according to a press release published on Tuesday. The Crypto Council for Innovation, or CCI, says it seeks to unlock the promise of crypto, referring to itself as a new alliance of crypto industry leaders. Oh, God, not another one. We'll get to another. why I said another one here in a sec. The newly formed council has set out to lobby regulators and policymakers to encourage responsible crypto-related public policy. But there's more than just policies, as the collaboration further seeks to fund and push research projects. Okay, that keep that in mind. And plans to form a board, as well as an executive team to manage its intentions. You know where this is going, people. You know where it's going in your heart. If you've been in this space, especially since 2016, you know exactly what this results in. The announcement gives no insight into specific plans or ongoing conversations led by the council. Of course not. <clears throat> the developments come as regulators around the world have added Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to their agenda. Last month, the Financial Action Task Force released an, um, an amended draft version of its guidance on virtual assets, causing an uproar amongst the Bitcoin community, which widely referred to the updated draft as problematic. In an analysis at the time, research firm CoinCenter expressed concerns over the vague and disproportionately far-reaching definition of virtual asset service providers in the draft and criticized its scrutiny of peer-to-peer -peer transactions and privacy-enhancing technologies. Okay, so if, if you are new to the space, this sounds, you know, I don't know, not, not plausible. May, maybe it sounds inevitable. But I think a lot of people that are going to be new to the space are going to be looking at this and say, so what? There's going to be some apathy here. Why is it important to not have apathy? Because of the Bitcoin scaling agreement at Consensus 2017. If you don't know, if you weren't around the space for the Bitcoin scaling wars, um, you need to listen to this and compare it to what's going on with the creation of the CCI bullshit. Okay. This was bad enough, but Fidelity, Square, I mean, Square is supposed to be on our side, but joining this group, it's automatic, automatically skeptical. I mean, and that's, that's it. I'm skeptical at best. I am loathing this shit, honestly, at, at, at the very worst. So let's talk about what happened. Now, this, this is actually from the Digital Currency Group, okay? The DCG, May 23rd, 2017. Okay, that we're going all the way back and getting into the Wayback Machine 2017. Here it is. We agree to immediately support the following parallel upgrades to the Bitcoin protocol, which will be deployed simultaneously and based on the original SegWit 2 megabyte proposal. One, activate segregated witness in an 80% threshold signaling at bit number four. Activate a two megabyte hard fork within six months. Okay, this was the culmination of the scaling wars. This was supposed to be a compromise and it burned people's reputations to the ground. 
We are also committed to the research and development. Remember, research and development was, they were talking about that in CCI. Yeah, we are also committed to the research and development of technical mechanisms to improve signaling in the Bitcoin community, as well as to put in place communication tools in order to more closely coordinate with ecosystem participants in the design, integration, and deployment of safe solutions that increase Bitcoin capacity. We welcome all companies, miners, developers, and users to join us to help prepare Bitcoin for the future. Fuck you. You didn't, we, we didn't, don't need your help. We never needed your help. Nobody needs to help Bitcoin do what Bitcoin does. Bitcoin is a creature all by itself and you're going to get stepped on and CCI is probably going to get stepped on again. Continuing, the group of signed companies represents a critical mass of the Bitcoin ecosystem. And as of May 25th, this group represents 58 companies located in 22 countries, 83.28% of hashing power. Yeah, that was a threat, by the way, if you didn't get that. 5.1 billion USD monthly on-chain transaction volume, 20.5 million Bitcoin wallets. Bullshit. That was all a threat. That, that, those four bullet points were a direct threat to the Bitcoin community. Okay, it wasn't like everybody agrees. It was like, we have this much power or we're going to leverage it over you, right? You need to understand how bad this was if you weren't there. Separately, as of May 24th, the following companies are committed to provide technical and engineering support to test and support the upgrade software as well as to assist companies with preparing for the upgrades. Abra, BitClub Network, Bitcoin.com, that's Roger Ver's outfit, Bitfury, BitGo, Bitmain, BitPay, uh, Blockchain, Block, BTCC, Circle, Ledger, RSK Labs, and Zappo. If you wish to dedicate technical and engineering support from your team, please let us know. We will include you in the list above. And then it comes into supporters as of May the 25th. This was the very next day. OneHash, Abra, Annex, BitAngel, BitClub, Bitcoin.com, BitX, BitFlyer, BitFury, BitMain, BitPay, BitPesa, BitOasis, BitSo, BitWalla, Bixen, Blockchain, Block, BTC.com, BTCC, BTC.top, Beter, Circle, Civic, Coinbase, Coins. I mean, it, the list freaking goes on and on and on and on and we buried them. We buried them in the ground. What they were proposing is that they were gonna take over Bitcoin development, and they were going to be the leaders of the deployment of any new software that we were going to run on our nodes. And nobody, nobody in the community agreed to run that software. Not only did we not agree to run that software, there was a user activated software that basically told, I mean, the signaling from the community was the following. You go ahead and fork Bitcoin and all of our nodes won't validate a single transaction and all your miners are gonna do nothing but mine empty blocks. And the miners that do care about the situation are going to come on our side and they're going to mine the valid transactions. And yes, hash power was, at, was in a very dearly threatened at that point. But guess what would have happened? The difficulty adjustment would have lowered to where it was appropriate to be able to mine Bitcoin on the valid chain. And the, 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 the SegWit2x folks can basically go fuck straight off. And the 
like it was like two days or the day before, I can't remember exactly which, all these assholes got back into a room and signed a letter that said that they were calling it off, but only after Segwit2x was, was activated. They called off the, the increase of the block size to two megabytes. They called that part off and they all signed it like we needed their signature. Okay, like, I mean, it was almost as if they, suits seem to not understand something. That just the fact that a shit ton of suits get in a room and put names on papers doesn't mean dick. It was the original NFT. Nobody cared. Nobody was bound to that agreement. Why? Because I run my own node. I get to choose the software which I run upon that node. I will not be running anything that comes out of CCI. Nothing, because it's the same fucking group. It's the exact same group, and Beautyon tells us why. If you're not following Beautyon, it's probably because he blocked you. I don't know why he's so block-happy, but he still has some quality shit to say. And you might want to listen to this one. Now, this is a tweet thread, because Twitter is apparently censoring the top one of his tweets, so he had to unroll his tweet thread into a thread reader and then post that link. And that's the only way that I can see the first tweet of this thread. So let's, let's do it. This was two hours ago. The CCI is the DCG 2.0. That was that, the, the same people that I was just telling you about. It's a regrouped, rebranded anti-Bitcoin association from the 2017 block size war with the same bad characters and actors trying to co-opt Bitcoin by virtue of their wealth. If Bitcoin succeeds, they will and must fail again. It is clear that the bad actors have learned nothing over the last four years. What they're going to do this time is fork Bitcoin to prevent the coming improvements to it and kill the adoption of Lightning, which will change everything. This is why they're not building on LND. Coinbase and the other bad actors use ordinary database operations to move balances between users leaving on-chain for large consolidation. They use databases to replace on-chain sends between users in a CCI blockchain consortium. They could all use one database and not LND. To stop LND, they need to change Bitcoin D, the server and standard the network runs on. They believe they have enough users to fork Bitcoin into a new network that can absorb everyone, stop privacy improvements from being introduced, and kill Elizabeth Stark's lightning network. They also believe that the state can ban Bitcoin 1.0, leaving them in full control of the protocol and all future development. The first thing they will do is increase the block size. This will do several things. It will make sending Bitcoin on-chain cheap, killing lightning, and it will prevent all small companies and players from running a full node without permission, strangling new competition at birth and protecting CCI members' market dominance and positions of absolute power. They will also cripple their version of Bitcoin so it cannot be private, unlike Bitcoin Core, which is the real Bitcoin, which has privacy features coming that are also space-saving, making it totally opaque and more powerful. The CCI must act now to kill Lightning and stop Bitcoin. If I'm right, you will see CCI calling for the following. One, formal democratic community control of the protocol. Two, an increase in the block size. Three, formal blockchain industry standards. Four, membership of companies, quote, in the space. Five, overt re rejection of privacy enhancements. Six, 100% wallet compliance. 
These companies will claim that they are in it for the innovation. It's in the name. If that were true, they would all be adopting Lightning and SegWit, which blockchain.info has not even bothered to implement. The best they can hope for, to achieve is an American gulag altcoin or fail. The world's a big place. Most people on earth can't qualify for a Coinbase account or an account at Jax or any CCI member company. They don't care. And I'll leave it to you to name the sentiment behind the disregard for the vast majority of humanity. Bitcoin must win this. Real Bitcoiners knew the attacks like this were coming. They've been planning for them and have the means to defeat them. If they fail, then Bitcoin wasn't good enough from the beginning. Now you'll see who is a real Bitcoiner and who is not. And you'll regret boosting traders. <sighs> you know who the usual suspects are. And you'll know the freely decloaked traders instantly. This is a binary issue and it's black and white. It is not nuanced or a matter of perspective. You are either for Bitcoin or you are against it. And it's as simple as that. Watch the speech police, liars, and gallery of rogues dust off their 2017 playbooks to try and argue for the death of Bitcoin. If you're intelligent or remember their names, you'll be able to refute them easily. The next great test of Bitcoin has begun. I tend to agree. This is just as dangerous as the DCG. It's just as dangerous as the block size, you know, the, or the, the scaling wars of 2017 and the, the, and the, the assholes that, that sided with that. You need to understand your history. You, you, you do. If you are new to this space, if you're just learning about Bitcoin, you need to learn about the ugly side of the space and, and, we're, and it's going to unfurl right in front of you. My only hope is that it unfurls quickly. The decloaking is very, very evident and that a UASF 2.0 is immediately put in place to combat it. If they are to do any of these things, as Beautyon suggests, then it's up to you to run your own full node and select the software that you choose to run and if you choose to run CCI, I'm sorry, buddy, I, we can't be friends. If you run anything, anything that's outside of Bitcoin Core, unless Bitcoin Core gets co-opted somehow itself, and I'm, I'm always watching for that shit too, we, honestly, we, we, need the, we need the core developers at this point need to stop fucking around and activate Taproot, and they need to do it today. They, they just need to flip the switch, okay? I need the code so that I, I mean, or actually I've already got the code. It's, it's already in my node. It's just not activated yet. That's what the whole, why we're, we're just sitting here twiddling our thumbs while billionaires are gathering together to try to do the same thing that millionaires did in 2017. So there's a shit ton more money on the table. There's a shit ton more marketing on the table. Everything, honestly, I don't want to say this time it's different, but sort of this time it's different, but only in the exaggerated numbers of uh, marketing and just sheer cash that they can afford to throw at this thing. All right. So what are you going to do? Are you going to run CCI code when they release their code? Because beauty the guy's an old, he's a total OG and he may have blocked you. I think he's muted me. I don't know why I, I might may have said something to him that, that pissed him off, but <clears throat> He's not wrong. That my point is, is that even if you're mad at beauty on, even if you know who he is and you really don't like him because he hurt your feelings on Twitter, you need to bury all that. 
because what he's saying here is important and it's critical to the future going forward. We knew fights were coming. We fought the first we fought the first one. I mean, there's been several fights, but the first big one was 2017 in the scaling wars. And here we go again. They're ramping it back up again. You need to tell all your friends. You need to be on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever it is that you go to the to quote unquote the watering hole for your Bitcoin needs. You need to be loud, vocal, boisterous, and you need to call these people out right now and not wait until they fuck up. Let's let's say let's look at it this way. <clears throat> Maybe it is the case. Maybe it is in fact the case that their intentions are good and they have absolutely no intention whatsoever of, of, of changing, of doing any of the things that Budion said, you know, not welching on privacy, not, you know, not worrying about making, you know, wallets 100% compliant and all that kind of crap. Let's say that their intentions are pure and, and, and fine and, and white as the driven snow. And then, like, if we do that and say, okay, well, we'll wait until they fuck up. No. You don't wait until they screw up. Everybody needs to start calling out CCI today and forever on and assume that their intentions are bad. Tell them that you assume that your, their intentions are bad. Let them battle in the court of public opinion that what they intend to do is as pure as the driven snow. And then after they do that, if they do that, continue to criticize the living crap out of every single member or part of, or member of that organization. Continue to assume that they, are, that they are intending bad things for Bitcoin. Assume that they have the power to try to do it. Assume they have the power to be able to affect something that's going to suck. Because if you didn't go through the 2017 block size wars, I got to tell you, it sucked. It was not fun. It was like a kick in the crotch pretty much every day for like three straight weeks, man. And then there was this huge sense of elation when they signed this, they signed this letter and there shouldn't have been. There shouldn't have been an, an, any elation whatsoever in the Bitcoin community because a bunch of tie wearing fucking suits got into a room and signed a letter that had absolutely nothing to do with Bitcoin. They just thought it did. Now, if you're going to sit there and continue to not run a node and, con- and continue to not learn how to be a, a quality lightning operator, then I don't know. I, I honestly don't know why you're in the space. <clears throat> it's not like we were just going to birth the death of the banking system in, you know, 11 or 12 years and then just go on our merry way. This fight, I'm going to end up having to fight this fight until the day that I die. I'm hoping that it's possible that my children won't actually have to fight this crap anymore because I don't want them going through any of this. Now, here's what I've never understood about the human condition. I understand greed. But what I don't understand is eschewing all the good things that you could be doing with your time in this life to try to control something. Go fishing. Go take a walk, admire the beauty of, of nature as it unfolds, and that includes letting it unfold in financial situations. But no, these people think that putting on a three-piece suit and sitting in a room, sweating their balls off, talking about how they're going to make sure that my wallet is 100% compliant seems to be the way that they get off in this life. And that just tells me 
that we're dealing with sociopaths. They are all sociopaths. Jack is a sociopath. I'm sorry, I used to think that, you know, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt, but the minute that he signed his name to CCI, I've, I, I, don't, I can't respect Jack at this point. I, you know, if, if he were the first one to leave, he might be able to, to regain some of my confidence, but probably not very much. I cannot illustrate to you how dangerous this shit is, especially in the wake of all the shit coinery that's going on out there. I mean, it's, it's almost as if all the forces in the world are gathering against Bitcoin. Now, should that make you feel sad? Well, no. I mean, it's a fight. It's a war. War never makes people feel good. But, you know, it's either that or go back to normie land because that's exactly where they want to send us. So I don't know what else. I can't really say anything more about it. <clears throat> Because there's not much more to say. It's, it's, it's very clean. The next battle is upon us, except this time there's a lot more money and a lot more marketing involved. Okay? So run a node. Get your software downloaded as fast as possible. Okay? Get your Raspberry Pi or your old laptop or whatever it is that you're going to use to run a, a Bitcoin full node. Go get the software from <clears throat> uh, my node or Umbral, or Raspy Blitz, whatever, okay? Go get it. Make sure you have copies of it. Re withdraw all your Bitcoin. If you have any Bitcoin on any of these platforms, you need to get it off, okay? You need to get it off. All right, now, that's going to do it for the whole DCG 2.0 thing. But we've got another, another issue, Signal has decided to go full shit coinery. Instead of simply integrating Lightning, right, they're going to use a shit coin. So here's what, here's what Signal said yesterday. The latest Signal betas are rolling out today. Inside, you'll find performance enhancements, a slew of bug fixes, improvements to the mute settings, and if you're in the UK, you'll see support for Signal Payments, a new feature that enables you to send and receive privacy-focused payments as easily as sending or receiving a message. This is a beta feature in a beta build, but for those in the UK living life on the edge, please help us test and, and, and give feedback. So how does it work? We want payments and Signal to be fast, private, and work well on mobile devices. The first payments protocol that we've added support for is a privacy-focused payments network called MobileCoin, which has its own currency, MOB, or M-O-B. Signal payments make it easy to link a MobileCoin wallet to Signal so you can start sending funds to friends and family, receive funds from them, keep... It's all bullshit. It's a shitcoin. I'd never even heard of MobileCoin until this announcement, and I've been in the space for a while. I may have heard about it and just forgot because like all shit coins, I tend to dismiss the shit. So I, but honestly, like mobile coin doesn't even strike a memory with me. I have no idea what this shit is. And be it noted that, you know, Ricardo Spagni, uh, Fluffy, Fluffy Pony, um, one, one of the guys that has helped Monero along says, you know, was saying something yesterday about, how it was a how it was a fork of Monero, or how it wasn't a fork of Monero because it didn't have uh, some some things that Monero has like CT ring signatures and shit. 
And it ended up being a battle between like one of the mobile coin developers, Richard Spagny and another guy. And it, it's really confusing as to what the original code base actually was to me. I don't, I mean, so I'm, I'm literally looking at something like Signal, select a shit coin whose past is, is really opaque and we don't really know what it does and we're, nobody's really sure what this shit is. So, and they selected that. I'm telling you guys, they're marshalling their forces and you need to be prepared. Prepare yourself for the worst, okay? Mentally prepare yourself for the worst. Now, let's just go ahead and run some numbers. Oil getting a bump. 72 points to the upside, or not 72, 0.72% to the upside. Still sub $60 uh, West Texas Intermediate, but Brent seeing better days. 0.86 to the upside, still above 60 at $63.28. Natural gas also up three quarters of a point, $2.47 for a thousand cubic feet of that. All shiny metal rocks are down. Gold is down 0.4%. Coming in at $1,735. Silver's down over a point, $24.93. Platinum is down a half. Copper's down almost a full point. And palladium fell over two and a half points, or rather just under two and a half points. Uh, let's see. Do, oh, where I, I, I lost my place. Oh, my God. Where's my screen? Um, okay, there we go. Indices. Dow futures, oh, okay, everything is up scant. Dow futures up 0.04, S&P uh, 0.05, NASDAQ up 0.07, S&P mini 0.18 to the upside. All the interest rates on the futures looks like they're going, they're climbing higher, but like, you know, 0.02%, 0.04, 0.01. But still, as you can see, it's like the the effect of the treasuries on commodities, you know, it, it, it happens. It's just the way it works. Okay, we are sub $57,000 on Bitcoin. Now, why? Well, we'll get in. Well, I don't know exactly why. Nobody really ever does know exactly why. The CCI announcement probably doesn't help. <coughs> but nevertheless, here we are, $56,954.42. Four hundred sixty-five transactions were performed in the last twenty-four hours. That's about thirteen thousand five hundred transactions on average per hour. Oh, yeah, because seven hundred eighty-two thousand two hundred thirty-five BTC were sent in that last twenty-four hours. That's a little higher than nor uh, than the local normal. Uh, thirty-two thousand five hundred and ninety-three BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of two point four BTC and a median transaction value of zero point zero one nine BTC or about one thousand dollars. Block times are low: nine minutes and twenty-eight seconds. Point two or two point seven BTC is being taken in fees on a per block basis, and over one hundred BTC have been taken in the past twenty-four hours as fees. Hash rate decreased by 5.39% in the last 24 hours. That brings us down to 164.1 exahashes per second. However, yesterday there were reports that we hit 175 exahashes per second, which was yet another all-time high. Your shitcoin indicator today is Doge at just under six pennies. 
5.9 United States cents is what your shitcoin indicator is telling you. Now, we are still above $1 trillion of market capitalization. In fact, it's $1.05 trillion, but we only now represent 9.29% of gold's market cap, and we can only get 20, 20, 32.3 ounces of gold for one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,675,873.83 in circulation. 1,195.86 of those are in the Lightning Network, and that has a capacity value now of $67.1 million, being run over 10,429 nodes with 41,942 channels. Uh, Percentage of Tor capacity for Lightning Network has increased yet again, 56.8% of the Lightning Network is run over Tor, and that's 678.62 BTC being run over 4,604 Tor nodes that we can see. Price of Bitcoin here is $56,350 as per uh, Clark Moody's dashboard. I think that's going to do it for numbers. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. If you're wondering why Ripple's pumping, it's because they went, they want a ruling to expose SEC docs on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Likely they're doing this to make a comparison that, see, we're like them. We have the documents to prove it. Anyway, that's why Ripple's pumping. But it's important because Ripple is just, I mean, Ripple's a shit coin. Don't ever think that it's it's not. But it is there, and it's like a demonstration of what just a shit ton of money can produce. And that is somehow or another not letting an obvious scam and uh, unregulated securities offering, you know, die. That this is, and this goes exactly back to the CCI. It it should worry everybody, and and should cause everybody to marshal their forces together against the CCI because they have a shit ton of money and marketing potential too, just like Cripple does, okay? So since December, Ripple Labs has been fighting a $1.3 billion case brought against it by the SEC, which accuses the digital payments company of offering an unregistered security in the form of its native XRP token. The company today won a discovery ruling that will require the SEC to hand over internal documents about Bitcoin and Ethereum. As a result, the general public may soon get a peek behind the curtain of the SEC, which has been historically tight-lipped about crypto's regulatory status. On March the 15th, Ripple Labs, along with its co-defendants Brad Garlinghouse and uh, Chris Larson, filed a motion to compel the SEC to produce documents regarding the communications about Bitcoin and Ethereum, or its internal communications about XRP. Quote, for almost a decade, the SEC watched as XRP grew and developed, all the while issuing no formal guidance that its sale may be illegal. It wrote in the March 15th filing to U.S. District Court Judge Sarah Netburn, quote, the SEC did, however, announce that sales of two similar digital assets, Bitcoin and Ether, were not securities. Okay, there was no sale of Bitcoin by a centralized entity. I mean, there just wasn't. Ether, on the other hand, was pre-mine. And like 70% is pre-mine, by the way. It was sold by a centralized entity. In my view, it is an unregistered security. Bitcoin is not because there's there's just not... A, you, could, you could get Bitcoin at like 
You could get Bitcoin at Mt. Gox, but there was like a couple of other places that you could get it. It was really difficult to get. <clears throat> I wasn't getting it during the during that time. I had a, you know, my onboarding experience was not the onboarding experience of the true OGs out there. But there's there was no real centralized person that was responsible for selling newly minted Bitcoin. There there just wasn't. Right? But with Ethereum, that was a completely different deal. And clearly with XRP, that was a, is, is also a different deal. They, they sell through Cripple Labs their XRP that they mint all the time. It's an unregistered security. Ethereum is an unregistered security. Bitcoin, however, is not. It's a completely different beast. Continuing, the SEC... Th uh, through public comments from both former Chairman Jay Clayton and former Director of Enforcement William Hinman had made it known that it doesn't consider Bitcoin and Ethereum the two largest cryptocurrencies by market cap to be securities. However, the Commission has not issued any formal guidance that explains in detail how it arrived at this conclusion. A security is a type of investment contract that implies the expectation of future profits. Ripple is likely looking for SEC mentions of XRP as a virtual currency like Bitcoin and Ethereum, which would bolster its case that it should be treated similarly. It might also get some insight into the agency's criteria for determining when digital assets are and are not securities, which it could then presumably use to make the case that XRP meets those requirements. Quote, I'm going to grant in large part the defendant's motion Judge Netburn said during the hearing, as reported by Law 360, she included documents such as meeting minutes and internal memos as part of the order, but not internal staff emails. The SEC argued against the discovery motion, claiming that the actions of the promoter are what need to be of focus here. So th that's why Ripple's pumping, because they got a favorable or what they I, I conclude is a favorable ruling by the SEC on this matter. The problem is, is that it doesn't matter what the SEC releases. The only good thing that comes about this is that I, I am kind of interested in seeing what the SEC has said about Bitcoin and Ethereum as well. However, it's not, in my opinion, it's not going to really matter for Cripple. The only thing that's going to matter for Cripple is how much cash they can deploy to buy off whoever it is that they need to buy off so that they can stay afloat and Brad Garlinghouse out of jail. But, you know, that's not for me to, you know... That's not for me to decide, thank God. Stellar cryptocurrency nodes go dark for nine hours and counting. I don't know if they're back up yet. We'll see if there's an update to this. Uh, this one's written by Jeff Benson for Decrypt.co. Oh, and nodes for the Stellar Development Foundation, or SDF, the organization that supports development on the Stellar network, have stopped validating transactions for the blockchain. According to a statement from SDF, the outage occurred at around 1 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. The SDF's Public Horizon API instance is also temporarily down, it said in a statement. However, the Stellar network is still online. Emphasis SD or emphasizes SDFs. I don't know exactly what that means, but we'll we'll power through it. It says it's working to solve the problem, but insists the network is still operational despite SDFs. SDF's own nodes not working, quote, because it's decentralized, it's, it's not, and the majority of Stellar network validator nodes are still functioning. The network continues to process transactions, it wrote. The network itself is not halted. Additionally, anyone who runs their own Horizon instance, rather than relying on the public SDF instance, can still use the API to submit transactions and query network data, end quote. Validator nodes 
refers to the computers running blockchain software. In general, the more distributed the nodes are, the more secure the network because the network can continue to function even if some nodes are not. While SDF runs nodes, so too do payment processing firms such as Coin, QVest, Warix, and Satoshi Pay all have remained inactive, or rather, all have remained active according to data aggregator site StellarBeat. But other validators, presumably those that rely on Stellar's Horizon API rather than running their own, are failing. According to StellarBeat, the network now has just 21 validator nodes. <laughs> Until SDF can fix the issue, the cryptocurrency exchanges are monitoring the situation. Bitstamp announced earlier today that it was pausing withdrawals of Stellar Lumens, the currency of the Stellar network. Coinbase said it's investigating. Stellar Lumens is the 12th large, or XLM is the 12th largest cryptocurrency with a market cap of more than 26 billion. The Stellar network works to connect banks to a more accessible payment system for global transactions. So there you go. Yeah, Stellar, Stellar network is, is offline. I mean, they say that it's not, but dude, the fact that there's only 21 nodes at this point is just kind of, is kind of sickening. Honestly, it's really bad. I'm looking at a map of the validators uh, right now and it's like, it doesn't even look like a network. Honestly, it's just, wow. So yeah, shitcoin's going to shitcoin and they're going to get you wrecked just like this. Right? Just like this, dude. Goldman Sachs CEO says big evolution is coming to Bitcoin regulation. So here's from, from the other side of CCI, we get this bullshit. Um, Matthew DeSalvo writes this for Decrypt.co. Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon said that he thinks the Bitcoin and digital currency world will soon experience a, quote, big evolution, particularly regarding regulations in the United States, of course, because if you want to further weaponize your citizenry, the United States is the best one that knows how to do it. The head of one of the world's biggest banks made the comments today during an interview with CNBC. He didn't reveal much about what Goldman Sachs was doing when it comes to Bitcoin, though, suggesting that the current regulatory landscape in the United States prevents the bank from doing so. But Solomon did make it clear that Goldman is keeping a close eye on crypto due to the growing client demand. Quote, we continue to think about digital currency and the digitization of money in a very proactive way, he said, adding that there are significant regulatory requirements concerning a move toward handling cryptocurrencies. Goldman Sachs plans to begin offering investment products to its wealth management clients, and it recently announced the reopening of its cryptocurrency trading desk. When asked if he would like to act as a principal with crypto services and whether lobbyists in D.C. are having any luck getting the rules changed that prevent Goldman from doing so, he said, quote, I think that this is a space that is evolving. This is a space that we're trying to be responsive to our clients. I think there will be big evolution with how this evolves in the coming years, end quote. He added that the bank was engaged with its clients and paying attention to regulations to see how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regulations regarding Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies remain complicated as different government agencies pursue competing and sometimes contradictory positions on these assets. The SEC, for example, regulate, regulates the trading of securities and claims authority over most Ethereum-based tokens that were sold in the U.S. as a way to raise funds for startups. The CFTC 
oversees the market for Bitcoin derivatives such as futures and options contracts on exchanges like BACT and CME. Goldman Sachs will in one way or another expose its clients to Bitcoin. The firm last month filed an SEC application for a new investment product that tracks the ARK Innovation ETF, which is invested in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, because we don't have an ETF for our own. The bank is the latest institution to express an interest, even if still cautious in digital assets. Major banks have differing opinions on decentralized cryptocurrencies and are careful on how to approach and invest in them. Well, great. So this is a sort of like the other prong of the attack. Well, you know, and we've been, honestly, we've been through this before. The same sort of double-pronged attack was going on in 2017. Regulators were talking about whether or not it was a security. What was the IRS going to say about Bitcoin? They finally ruled it as a commodity, which means that you pay capital gains tax on every transaction. They kind of shot themselves in the foot then and made it increasingly difficult for us normies to actually get any traction in the world. But they did rule it as a commodity. All right, so there was all these questions in 2017 were swirling around, right? They're like, what were the regulators going to do? And then we had the DC, the, the digital currency group doing its weird suit wearing thing. And it was a, it was a, you know, I'm starting to look at, you know, and we were in the midst of a bull run then as well. You know, it, it's almost like, it's almost like 2017 all over again. We've got DCG 2.0. We've got regulators asking questions about what they're going to regulate and how they're going to do it and who's going to be affected and how far they're going to go. We've got a bull run going on right now. Of course, the price is dropping today. And, and over the last, you know, over the last week, we hit 62,000 and now we're down to what, 57,429. I suspect the price will start going back up. We had the, and then we had the ICO craze. We had every idiot under the sun spinning up whatever bullshit coin they could as an ERC-20 token on the Ethereum network. CryptoKitties comes to mind, okay? And it just goes on and on and on. You want to talk about fractals? Welcome to number to fractal number two. It's the, it, it's the same shit, different price point. Every time we get into a bull run, it attracts attention. Every time this thing attracts attention, we get the same responses. Suits, tie-wearing motherfuckers that come out of the woodwork like they're important or something. UASF, the user-activated soft fork, we can whip that thing out of our back pockets today. And we should. I might very well put UASF in, into like you know my bio line. Not that that's going to matter, but it's signaling. It's, it's signaling is important. I think we should honestly signal more. Just saying, you don't have to. I'm, you know, I, I can't make anybody do anything. It's just a, a mere suggestion. But Coinbase um, is part of the D, of the CCI. I would, I think, I think I, I read that. But if if they're not, they soon will be. I guarantee it. And they're having fun staying poor. Why? Because they reported 1.8 billion dollars in revenue. 6.1 million in, of active users for Q1. So it looks good for Coinbase uh, as they get listed on the NASDAQ. I think on the, is it the 16th? I think it's supposed to be on the 16th that they go, uh, their IPO actually occurs, but whatever. This is Bitcoin Magazine's Peter Chihuahua writing it. 
As major cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase prepares to start trading publicly on NASDAQ, it announced its first quarter estimated results and outlook for 2021 as a whole. Its net income for the quarter is estimated to be between $730 million to $800 million, with total revenue of approximately $1.8 billion, which is up from about $190.6 million in the first quarter of 2020. So that's a hell of a run, bro. <clears throat> it estimates its verified user count for the quarter to be 56 million, which is up from 43 million at the end of 2020, with 6.1 million counted as monthly transacting users. It estimates its first quarter trading volume at 33, oh, sorry, $335 billion. That's billion with a B. <clears throat> Looking forward to its performance for all of 2021, Coinbase predicted that it could have as many as 7 million monthly transacting users or as few as 4 million MTUs on average for the year, depending on the growth or decline of the cryptocurrency market capitalization. It also noted that growing institutional interest in cryptocurrencies could impact its growth across the year. We expect meaningful growth in 2021, driven by transaction and custody revenue, given the increased institutional interest in the crypto asset class. However, our institutional revenue is inherently unpredictable, end quote. Many are watching Coinbase closely as it approaches its direct listing for April 14th. Okay, so yeah, here in just a uh, next week. As one of the oldest and most popular portals for investing in Bitcoin in the world, its success across the first quarter of the year, and as it approached this historic listing, reflects the success of BTC. So, wow, $1.8 billion in revenue. Nice, nice work, guys. How come Coinbase is only sponsoring and granting to one Bitcoin developer? Hmm? Well, all that money, all you can fork out is $43,000 or whatever pittance you guys gave, the breadcrumbs, just to make you look good. This is the kind of bullshit that we're dealing with, people. But they are remaining, they are staying fun, having poor, because instead of $1.8 billion, Coinbase would have one or have earned $2 billion just by buying Bitcoin with its seed money. Guys, this company is only sitting on 4,400 Bitcoin on its balance sheet. MicroStrategy has 91,000. And they're not even a Bitcoin company. My God, William Suberg, tell us more. Cointelegraph, the United States' largest crypto exchange would have made money simply by buying and holding Bitcoin in 2013. Data circulating on social media reveals that despite Coinbase's $800 million in profits in Q1, the company would still be richer had it used its seed funding cash to buy BTC. Ahead of its initial public offering on April 14th, Coinbase reported a bumper revenue this week at $1.8 billion. Q1 outperformed the entirety of 2020. The numbers became an instant talking point as market participants weigh up the likely impact of the IPO launch. Other IPOs, including the recent Deliveroo sale, sparked sell-offs. Amid sky-high valuations and the associated buzz, however, it appears that all Coinbase had to do in order to outperform was to buy Bitcoin. Specifically, the exchange's $30 million seed funding in 2013 would be worth up to $2 billion had it been converted to BTC at the time. By contrast, Coinbase's lifetime profits total to date are estimated to be somewhere between $780 million and $1.3 billion. Quote, Coinbase is going to list publicly in less than 10 days and reported blowout numbers today, uh, $800 million in profit on $1.8 billion on revenue. Developer Vijay Poyapati commented, quote, sounds great. 
But imagine how much more they'd be worth if they had held their profits in Bitcoin instead of dollars for the last eight years. As Cointelegraph reported, Bitcoin's compound annual growth rate is top 200%. And since April 2013, uh, Bitcoin is up over 43,000%. Boy, a body was touching on another more controversial aspect of Coinbase's business model to come to light this year. For all its successes, executives have always chosen to hold a fairly modest amount of BTC. According to its recent filing with U.S. regulators, the exchange owns 4,486 BTC. By contrast, MicroStrategy, despite not being an exchange, has bought in excess of 91,000 BTC since August of last year, a stash that has doubled in U.S. dollar terms for the company to date. Quote, it's almost as if Coinbase doesn't believe in the industry in which they are one of the biggest players. Sad, Boyapati added. Not everyone was convinced. Eric Voorhees, of course, founder of crypto exchange service Shapeshift, argued that Coinbase's contribution to the cryptocurrency phenomenon made it incomparable to MicroStrategy. Quote, imagine holding MicroStrategy in higher esteem than Coinbase. And I do. The latter struggled for eight years to build the most successful Bitcoin company in the world, serving 50 million people. He responded to a tweet from Casa co-founder Jameson Lopp. Oh, God. Meanwhile, data on, on Wednesday showed a conspicuous spike in exchange outflows this week, a sign that long-term hodling and overall interest in buying Bitcoin is growing fast. Quote, are we in the market cycle high? No. Kai Young-Ju, CEO of on-chain analytics service CryptoQuant, which published the data, commented, highlighting the difference between the current climate and traditional Bitcoin cycle tops. Quote, when the exchange, or sorry, when the market reaches its peak, everyone deposits BTC to exchanges to sell, end quote. Coinbase Pro, the professional trading arm of Coinbase, saw 12,000 BTC leave in a single transaction. So remember this, people. First of all, Coinbase is only sponsoring one Bitcoin developer on a grant basis on $1.8 billion in revenue, and they could be sitting on 200 or $2 billion in profit had they just bought Bitcoin and held it with their seed money or and or all the profits that they've made since. No, Coinbase doesn't believe in Bitcoin. Coinbase doesn't believe in anything. They, the only thing that they will do is they will list shitcoin after shitcoin after shitcoin to bilk you out of, out of as much money as they possibly can. And now they're going public. This is a, this is a bad player in the space. Don't use Coinbase. Just saying, man. Now, CoinMarketCap removes South Korea crypto exchange from Bitcoin price tracker. Remember I was telling you yesterday, the kimchi effect or the kimchi premium, and it was like $66,000 yesterday. That price is not $66,000 today. And in fact, it's, in, it's, it's, it's injected so much volatility into the overall market cap per, you know, price, the calculation that we use to try to figure out what the market cap is, that CoinMarketCap just straight up removed the South Korean exchanges from Bitcoin price because of the kimchi premium, which might have, have uh, uh, caused what, why we're seeing a drop today. But we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out more from Cointelegraph's Turner, right? <clears throat> Crypto price tracking website CoinMarketCap removed many South Korean exchanges from its calculations for the price of Bitcoin as the coin dipped under uh, $58,000 again. 58, uh... As of today, CoinMarketCap's uh, Bitcoin price tracker shows no data from major South Korean crypto exchanges, including Upbit, BitThumb, CoinOne, and Corbit. 
The website uses data from many exchanges to estimate the average price for cryptocurrencies. And at the time of publication, the price of Bitcoin is 57,721, having fallen more than 2% this morning. Speaking to Cointelegraph, CoinMarketCap content manager Molly Zane Zuckerman said the removal was due to the premium observed on crypto exchanges based on South Korea. The crypto analytics provider estimate, estimates that the BTC price to be roughly 6% higher than on other exchanges. Quote, if the prices on South Korean exchanges stabilize, then we will add the data back in, but that hasn't happened yet, said Zuckerman. The last time the price tracking website took similar action was in 2018 when CoinMarketCap announced it had excluded some South Korean exchanges and price calculations due to the extreme divergence in prices from the rest of the world and limited arbitrage opportunity. During roughly the same time three years ago, the price of XRP was falling significantly after reaching an all-time high of $3 on January the 2nd. However, the token is looking below. Oh, you know what? Screw you, dude. I don't, I don't need that crap. Besides, they already got through the, the meat of the, the information here. Yeah, the kimchi premium was so high at 14% yesterday uh, that uh, CoinMarketCap was like, this isn't representative of, of the mean. So they pulled the data out of it, which, you know, by definition, that's what we call data manipulation. But I, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I probably shouldn't because apparently everybody that owns a company in the Bitcoin space hates Bitcoin. And I don't understand it. I mean, if you're like larger than like, I don't know, let's, let's say you're 10x fold, then you apparently hate Bitcoin. And, and, and you want to control Bitcoin and you want to do all the things with it, you know, which is why I support people like Will Reeves, you know, Fold, uh, Lolly, all these guys. I, I do my best to, to, to lend them my support because they're all the underdog. But, you know, what happens if, what happens if Fold gets 10X? Are they going to join CCI and start calling shots of what shit I should run on my node? At that point, I will tell Fold to fuck straight off. I'm not running CCI code on my node. And if they think that they're going to shut down general core Bitcoin development, they're wrong there too, because Adam Back and the rest of the guys are still going to be writing code. Cypherpunks write code. Just because CCI says that they're, you know, or, or is, is, oh God, what, what, what am I saying? In, in, making indications that they want to somehow have control of the protocol doesn't mean that they're going to get any. The, 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 the worst that they can do is we go through a UASF again because they forked the code into a, basically into a black hole like Roger Ver did. And then again, like Craig Wright did by forking BCH into BSV and it goes into a black hole, All right? It's just, it, it's, 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 it, it's a, I'm not going to say it's a non-issue because it's not. These are the times that we learn about the the true resilience of what of how bitcoin acts the true resilience of bitcoin is what we're looking to discover and it's times like these that we get to unpack what bitcoin is actually capable of and how much armoring it really does have but that armor boils down to a few things and a shit ton of mining isn't the only thing in the equation it's the fact that you, like you'd have to go and arrest all the core developers and put them in a jail without computers and even then, Jimmy Song has trained so many Bitcoin developers that the vacuum would just be filled right up again. But this time with people who are really careful about how, where they say that they're doing the development from, right? 
So Microsoft can kill the GitHub, you know, the, the, the GitHub repository for Bitcoin Core. It's not going to matter. It's just not. This, this, the, what gives me ever, you know, what, what, what re, causes me to be ever hopeful is just how this system circumvents everything that it sees. Like it's like a, it's like watching a kid try to catch fish with his bare hands, and it just keeps the fit, even if he's successful in getting the fish out of the water, it just slips out of his hands. It's the same thing here. I mean, I'm not all that concerned. What I'm more concerned about <clears throat> is the FUD that's going to come out of this. Because if you don't think the FUD's going to come out of this, you haven't been paying attention, right? You really do need, like, if you are new to the space, reach out to people and say, what, what was DCG? What was the block size debate? How did that turn into the block size scaling wars? And what was he, who was involved in those wars? Who was on what side? You know, people give Samson Moe a lot of shit, but he was one of the guys that was first on stage with, with building hats that said UASF. And that's how we signaled to the miners that they were going to be mining nothing without us. We are the node runners. Run your node. It's not hard. It's not expensive. You will learn a lot. And if you get the, I mean, almost all of the new node software includes lightning. Learn how to be a node operator. I'm doing it. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. In fact, I had to band up with the Ring of Fire guys to get into a group of people that are going to help teach me how to be a competent lightning node operator because it's not intuitive and that's okay. Nothing in life that is good is free or cheap or fast or worthy. Most things that are good in life are lifelong projects that you just embark upon whether you get paid for it or not. And if, 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 you, if you can do it for free for the rest of your life, hey, great, fine, good for you. If you can only devote an hour after a normie job to do it, that's fine. At least you're doing it. But this is lifelong. It's not we're just one and done and 12 years later all the banks are dead. If you thought that was going to happen, you're in the wrong place. And that's okay. Get your mind right. Get your note up and running. Join the Ring of Fire guys or any other Lightning Network group that you can find to teach you exactly how to be a competent node operator. It's going to be important going forward. Be mindful of the DCG 2.0 group that is known as the Cryptocurrency Initiative. Be mindful of the fact of who's in it. Square, okay, is Jack Dorsey. We've been singing his praises for a while and yet here he is just putting on the trousers that anybody just wants to hand him because they wear a suit. I don't know. But I'm, I'm tired of it, and I'm not looking forward to going through this fight. But I'm going to be in the fight. And UASF 2.0, if we got to do it, we'll do it. And we'll show them again. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.